Rad Radio presents the Rad Probcast. Get it? It's a podcast hosted by a guy named Rob. So it's a Probcast. Very clever. And now, here's your host, a guy named Rob. My guest for episode three of the Probcast is Jamie from Ink Off Me, who some of you already know from some of Brandon's prodcasts. So, so you're a pro at doing this. So I, I assume you're not nervous at all, right? <laughs> I'm terrified. What? <laughs> Gentlemen, you've done, what, at least two with Brandon, right? Maybe more? Uh, I think four, t- four. altogether. So what, what's the difference? You're the big guy. You're oh, the boss. come on. You're the magnificent wrong. Okay, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> so, first question is the most important one. Why is your name spelled wrong? Why are there two M's in Jammy? <laughs> it's that's Jammy, not Jamie. My mom, um, when she had me, had Tylenol number three for the first time, <laughs> narcotics for the first time. <laughs> and her name's Tammy, T A M M I. So they had the name Jamie already picked out, so she thought it would be cute to spell it similar and spell it J-A-M-M-I. Not making the connection that Tammy is is <laughs> pronounced correctly, so it would be Jamie. That's the drugs, man. All right. <laughs> well, I knew there had to be a story behind it. Yes. Uh, so uh, you've, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you've been on Brandon's podcast a few times, uh, but I, I like to act like nobody knows anything about you because who knows? Maybe this is the first time they're listening. There are, believe it or not, people that don't like Brandon, so maybe they didn't listen to the, to <laughs> who the podcast. Who are those people? No, oh, oh, don't get me wrong. Those are like <laughs> those are like people that dogs don't like. I go okay. running away from people that don't like Brandon for oh. the most part. Um, so I, 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 what is your? Here's the most fascinating thing about getting to know you over the last couple of years. My wife goes to see you on a regular yeah, basis. Tell her hello. And what is this? seeming obsession you have with with prisoners and 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 removing ink from not just people in jail but other hardships in life where what is this about so about 10 years ago um chris and heather bendinelli um saw the need in the community for a affordable um tattoo removal not just for um, friends and family, but people that have what's called job stoppers, which are face, neck, and hand tattoos. He and I worked in the ER together in the early 2000s, and he told me this idea um, that he wanted to to help people out, you know, get people back into the community after they've reformed and reentered in, to, into society. And was seeing the need, especially when, you know, in the ER, you know, we met a lot of patients that are, you know, on having issues and health issues or um, just coming out of prison and having trouble uh, finding jobs because we do you know you do a lot of social work in the ER also so let's go back to the job stoppers part so Mm -hmm. in even in 2021 there is still a stigma about certain tattoos because I mean tattoos it seems like I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't have one sometimes definitely face neck and hand are associated with gang related doesn't matter necessarily what they look like especially if it's names or um symbols or dots and it it might not have had a reason behind it that was gang related or something that was malicious it was just something a bad mistake a stupid mistake a drunken mistake you know your buddy you know uh asked you to get one or with him you know things like that and when employers see those tattoos on the neck face hands do especially in customer service, um, do think that it may, the customers may think that you're gang related or have been gang related, or you've been a criminal in the past, or you've had a, a jaded past. So back to, uh, what's the name of the person who had this idea? Oh, Chris Beninelli. Okay. And this was way back in 2002. It was, yeah, the early 2000s. And, and, and who, who was Chris Beninelli? 
He is um, an RN. He's the owner of Ink Off Me um, with Dr. Eric Zacharias and Heather Bendinelli. And um, gee, is Heather related to him? Because that's uh, such a they're common last married. Name. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. He, uh, she's his lawyer. Oh, that's convenient. I, I'm in the same situation now, married know, to a lawyer. I know. Very I know. handy, I must say. <laughs> it's funny. Um, just a side note: uh, Chris covered a, a shift for me in the ER and ended up uh, delivering a baby in the parking lot. <laughs> Chris, I, I, I wonder if you remember that. What? <laughs> What um, did he not realize that there was an ER right behind him? They just couldn't get into the. <laughs> that they... happens sometimes. Wow. Babies want to come out, but that's just a funny story because Chris and I, you know, he told me about this idea back then, and I thought it was brilliant and such an amazing thing to do for the community. Um, and so the cosmetic side kind of helps um, pay for the mobile side that goes into the prisons and does the nonprofit um, organizations, especially in the San Joaquin San Joaquin County. What. What is the the motivation, though? Because I mean, there's such a there's such a stigma about jail and prisoners, and and there I mean there and there should be right in a in a, in a well, society based on justice. Sure, sure. But I mean, we know statistically at least one out of three, if not more, of them get out and go on and live, never go back in and live fruitful lives. But that's that's not really what people think of, and so it takes a lot for you or Chris, who have the idea to even have empathy or sympathy for is there is there a story behind that? Well, I think just seeing you know working in medicine and seeing um, that population that's struggling to find jobs and to you know even stay healthy you know coming out and drinking instead of getting a job or not being able to get a job or doing drugs um, because they have this stigma or this. Um, you know, the tattoo that is holding them back or that can hold them back or they're afraid that's going to hold them back and they don't even try. So in these reentry programs in the prisons and the jails, that's what we work with is the people and the social workers and the programs that they already have in, in place for the prisoners um, that are about to get out that, you know, they, they go through um, interview classes and uh, making resumes, you know, basic things that can when they get out, they can use and help them you know, get back into society and become a citizen again. Do you get any overt pushback from people who say that there's other people you should be helping? Yes, definitely. It definitely are the trolls. You know, sometimes <laughs> I get them on um, Instagram that'll send messages when I put out the um, the flyers. Have you seen our flyers for the free events? Of course I follow you. Hello. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> But yes, uh, you do get those trolls that say, you know, why the hell do you do this? You know, why don't you just do the cosmetic side or, you know, who are these people? Why do they deserve help? And, um, you know, I have to block them. It gets pretty annoying. And they put messages, even public messages, when I post those free tattoo clinics. Um, it's pretty, it's awful. It's, it's, there's not many. I'm, I'm going to say there's three that I've actually had to block for foul language or... <laughs> um, just being not respectful to our company or to the people that we serve and to our community because it's not just the prisoners it's everybody that's you know could be offended by you know what they know that we do this we do the cosmetic side to help with the the nonprofit side and they know and they appreciate that and they don't need to hear stuff like that or see stuff like that and it's always it's always a fool's errand to get in the back and forth on social media for sure totally but what is the answer to to people that say why why them why are you why are why are you helping prisoners and, and other people like that quote unquote well that's why we're that's why we chris and i started is we you know medicine 
we want to help people. It doesn't matter who you are. And when you see a, a group of people that are in more need than others, then you try to focus on that. And that was something that he really saw back then was the need for for helping prisoners and reformed inmates. And re- it doesn't have to be prisoners, you know, gang members. Um, again, domestic violence survivors and sex trafficking branding. All of that, you know, we kind of lump them all together as in a group of people that just need help, a little help to get through. So am I to understand that as you're seeing them come in to the ER from these various walks of life that you're also realizing that they're human beings. Exactly. You humanize. I mean, you you see a person for who they are, not what's on their skin, not skin color, not, you know, not their tattoos, but their story, which every every tattoo has a story behind it. Doesn't matter if it's a tramp stamp <laughs> or if it's three dots next to your eye, you know. Do you have uh, any tattoos? I do. You I do? do. Um, and you're proud of them. You're not going to remove them yourself. I'm not. I love them all. all right. um, so uh, let, let's let's go. So, and I also presume that when somebody comes into the ER, depending on how severe it is, you also don't have time to give a crap wh- what their story is. And that's maybe also how you get to know them too. You you shut the curtain and things are told. You mm-hmm. know, in in the story, and you know the, the physicians. They, and you bring in social workers and you hear the stories. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be from the ER. You just see it in society. You walk down the street. Um, I'm sure that some of it was from the community that we saw from the ER. But then you just see it in, you know, walking down the street. You know, you see. What is what is domestic violence branding? So. I never heard of this. For example, um, if a wife or husband is really possessive or jealous or violent or all of the above they a a example tattoo would be property of so-and-so in certain places in private places usually Um, sometimes in places that people can see sometimes it's the neck sometimes it's you know the arm forearm and then sometimes it's in places that are private and, and in a relationship like that it's ba- it's essentially forced onto the, the the partner by the abuser yes and then what's is it the same idea with the sex trafficking uh, branding it is so that other pimps or other John's customers they know who the children adults males females belong to that's a very dark world. Does that does I mean, does it get to you at times? Yeah. I mean, that, this what you're describing is like quite literally why the one area of law my wife refused to consider is family law because yeah. she just knows she can't handle it, uh, and probably probably criminal defense as well for the same reasons. And yeah. and I mean that just even talking to you on this level, that's a that's a jarring area, and I'm sure you get a lot deeper into these things. How how do you how do you deal with that? It's tough sometimes. I can think of a patient a few weeks ago that had property on them. And the first time that they came in, they were terrified, terrified, shaking, didn't, you know, was embarrassed to show me Um, because I do consultations, free consultations with people. And and, um, we're in a little room and this person just broke down, just cried. And um, you just have to have empathy and sympathy for this person and make sure that they feel as comfortable as possible. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I talk to Barb, our nurse practitioner, and we, we talk it out. And, you know, she'll 
you just have to talk about it. So, so the gang at Ink Off Me, you use each other as sounding boards at the end of the day to get rid of the toxicity that you may feel. But in the moment, you're you're also part counselor yeah. for for some of them. Now, when when she came in, is, is the the shaking and the anxiety? Is it from just embarrassment or also the scars from what was done to her or all of it or? all of the above and she just left the her husband and um so she was having emotions from that and then i have um a female patient that it's her ex-wife on her forearm that was an abusive relationship and she when she comes in she says i have an anxiety attack every time i come in and I'm not sure why. And it's painful. Tattoo removal is painful. So that's part of it. But then she and I talked it out and it was, well, she's removing this side or this portion from her life slowly. It's slowly going away. So she's watching the progress and that she gets emotional about that too, because her life's changing and that person is no longer part of her life and affecting her life. And she's just watching it slowly go away. And that's what we came down to the conclusion was, was that she was watching this piece slowly go away. And it was emotional for her. I know there's no uh, blanket answer to this because it depends on so many variables, but how long-ish does it take to remove any any tattoo, really? A good year to two years, basically, depending on the quality of the ink. Um, uh, ink is made of heavy metals. So um, there are larger particles and smaller particles. And so the laser has to break that up. And then the white blood cells can take this because the white blood cells are pretty small, not as large as the um, heavy metals. But once you break that up, the white blood cells can take those smaller particles and put them through the lymphatic system and then um, excrete it through urine. And so over the course of a year or two, they're coming in and how often? every six to eight weeks normally. Sometimes we'll have them come in every three months if it's a stubborn tattoo. We let the um, laser do its job and, you know, and let the body do its job and break down the ink, which is called photo um, thermolysis. And then it, it, it pig, is pigment part of it as well? Mm -hmm. So that's what the laser um, concentrates on is, is dark, heavy, the dark, heavy metals because it has skin or it has um, color to, to it as opposed to skin cells. Um, so what it focuses on is the dark pigment, basically. So does that make ink. does that make working on my wife, who's African American, more challenging? It does. That's it that does. was my understanding from the the, cons the consultation when it I was does. there yeah. with her and the first treatment and the pain thing. That's kind of that's very relative, <laughs> right? It is. It it it. it I mean, it, and it and it depends on how. I guess I don't even know all the technical terms of it. How how long you're blasting the tattoo or or what does it feel like? Um. What we describe it as is when you're cooking bacon in a frying pan and the grease splatters onto your skin <laughs> over and over and over. But it's quick. So they just paint the, the tattoo with the laser. And you have, uh, I remember you have the balls that they can squeeze. The stress balls. Yeah. Uh, which is, which I will tell you from experience <laughs> is better than, say, your husband's hand. Yeah, I, uh, I bet. So uh, that's it. But now, okay, so this is what we're talking about right now is the process at any at, at any of your three locations of yes ink off me all three locations do tattoo removal okay so but how does this translate to you going into prisons because if it takes time to remove tattoos you can't go in and just take a guy's tattoo off right i mean how how does that how does that all work that's a totally different animal so we have a mobile unit it's a bus and it has a laser in the back and so every six to eight weeks sometimes longer eight to ten weeks um we go into the the prison the prisoners sign up they sign a consent we give them education um, they usually have education beforehand. Um, we give that we have an educational video that they can watch, and um, 
and they sign up for it voluntarily. And it's mostly guys or girls that are almost out or ready, you know, already in the reentry program is in reentering into reentering into society. So they've known about the program. They've heard about us. They've heard our names, you know, and um, so that's so Chris takes the mobile unit and goes to PIA, which is prison, uh, prison institution association. So Chowchilla, um, which we have a letter from mm-hmm. one of the inmates um, and some of the other prisons that are in central um, in Northern California and Southern too. And and for people that don't know, first of all, they're blessed that, that while you're in prison, keeping the tattoo is part of also staying safe, which right. is another reason why they're they're not even going near this until they're close to getting out. Right. So it's normally it's these guys or girls are in a section where everybody's reforming and it's not it's not like max security, although we have been in max security, but it's people that are. Um, in a certain program and are on good behavior and not in general population necessarily. They're they're on their way out and in the program and, and getting ready for society, getting back into society. So they have to be on good behavior. They have to go through um, certain classes and be able to maintain good behavior and good actions to stay in the program. And then Back to the the counseling part of it, like you have at Ink Off Me, you have people coming in and they're getting over these abusive relationships and other various stories. What about with with prisoners? Are you do you get stories from them? Do you get scared? Uh, what what kind of interactions do you have with them? Well, I mean, you do ho- they they do tell us the story if it's gang related, hate related. I mean, and Cody was on the podcast with um, Brandon and I. Obviously, he was forced to get tattoos to stay alive um so you do get those stories once the bus door closes the curtain closes you know they tell their stories and why they want them off you know they have kids they have um they want to get out and get a job and be able to support their families or you know they have grandkids um so they don't want they don't want the stigma of being in prison or being in a gang or being a hateful person when they're not that's not who they are they're trying to reform themselves and and become, you know, positive people in society. And do you and you find the the overwhelming majority of them are good, decent, genuine, people? genuinely just grateful for us, grateful for the opportunity to get a second chance um, that they're getting out of prison and not staying in that environment anymore. That violent, you know, negative environment um, that they're actually getting another chance at. A normal life and so after after you go to uh, say Chowchilla you you start the process but then what about going back or how do they get the tattoos fully removed so normally these are people that are on a two-year plan for for re-entry into society because it does take a long time obviously and there's so many aspects that these people have to go through um, before they're released you know um, some rehabilitation um, job training, um, which they do woodwork and metalwork in there and, and get some on-the-job training. Um, and living back in the real world, you know, when you were talking about um, they get out of jail or, and, and they, they just go wind up drinking, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for it. One, including it's like uh, it's, it's that shock of being back in the real world. Oh, definitely. And not to compare the two, but like when soldiers come back from being overseas for a lengthy period of time, it's like, oh, this is what 
the regular life is like and it's and it's just they, they you can't function right so getting them into those programs and you know dealing with people and teachers and you know classmates and it kind of does help from going to a cell to being in a classroom to being in woodworking or metal metalworking or into a classroom with computers where they can uh, learn how to make a resume or you know or just work computer science type stuff because that, that's you know just that slowly integrates them into where once they get out to society, then they have a better chance and they probably feel better than just, okay, you go from a cell to here, you're going to the grocery store, you know? And, you know, I, I can imagine as some people listen to this, there's, it, I'm not a really big black and white guy, but there's almost only two ways to hear this. Either we're humanizing and sympathizing with horrible people that shouldn't be, or the the way that you mean it and your mission statement and all that which is wait a minute people make mistakes and the ones that are in these this version of the program once you get a hold of them they're the ones that genuinely want to turn everything around right and and i don't know how how else you hear it you either hear it the the, the latter way or you just you're not you're not reformable and you're like i can't believe you're going to spend an hour making us think that all prisoners were great people and that's the <laughs> trolls that's right. where you, yeah that's where you get into the people that you know, don't think that criminals should get a second chance or um, even, you know, deserve a second chance. So, and and are all of them guilty? Well, we know for a fact that, that no is the answer to, you take any prison, any, throughout history, a certain percentage of them, and depending on what color their skin is, it might be even a higher percentage, are, are we find out later, we know they're not. We, right. and, and I mean, it's not a perfect system. It's one of the best on earth. But the, this, we, we, you know, we talk about this all the time on the regular show. We lose our humanity over so many things. Definitely. Uh, and this, and this is one of them. And in fact, you alluded to this earlier. So this, this mission is actually why Ink Off Me was started. Yes. It wasn't started to make a whole bunch of money and turn Chris into a a, a mansion owner. No. It th That's not why Ink Off Me began. Nope, and that's the the focus is again on that mobile unit side, um, but we but the shops or the offices help fund that side. So without the offices right now, the mobile unit isn't can't exist and can't go out to the prisons and because we've been shut down because of uh, COVID. COVID yeah. yeah, in fact, um, are you even back yet? Yes. Okay, when did that start? So our triple C, which is in Elk Grove, started um, probably let's see, it's probably around six months ago. I think in the fall, November-ish, and then we work with um, a mental health facility in the Napa area, and they're about to start because their patients are. And that's one side that we haven't talked about too is the mental health institutes that we go in to help. Um, they're going to start once their patients are um, vaccinated. They're going to let us allow us to come back in. And then San Francisco um, General, which is Mark Zuckerberg's um, foundation, we're going in there to help their patients that are um, having issues and get having issues getting jobs and hate gang related and trying to get back into society also. So when you're up and running at full speed, how many days a week are you going to various <laughs> places? Actually, I was talking to Heather about this this morning. So right now with just the few that we're allowed to go in it's about seven days every eight to ten weeks but you would do more if you could oh we would be full-time 
Is this why? Is this why you have these weird, like, limited hours at Ink Off Me? Because you're out doing this so much. Part of that is um, my full time nurse Liz. Um, she works full time in the office. Well, not full time, uh, three quarters, and then she works a quarter in the prisons. So she's the other part of every six to eight weeks or eight to ten weeks, she goes in to the prisons with Chris, and so and so we have those weird hours. Um, but we are going to open up more. I did start opening up another day a week. Um, because we are getting busier. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is great to hear. I, I'm always uh, lots of maggots. Always and, excited about that. Yeah, and so now we now that we're up and running in COVID, or um, they're allowing visitors into, into the institutions, um, which were visitors contractors, and um, so now that they're allowing us back in, we're we're ready to roll. We we start second week of June for the central prisons and the southern prisons. By the way, when the with the when the would you call it a bus or a van or what do you call it's it? It's a bus. A bus. Yeah. When the, you say you know refer to the, when the bus door closes, it's like when the curtain closes in yes. the yard. Is, is, are, there's guards there, right? Yes. You, so there are guards, and it's and it's it's made to be COVID safe, which is crazy. Oh. That because the patient will go in, watch a video in the front of the bus, which is closed off. There's a patient being treated in the back of the bus, and then they go out through the back of the bus. So there's only one per- person in a room at a time with, well, with the nurse who's vaccinated and wears masks. Of and, course. You know, does all the protocols. That yeah. How, how, how excited are you for that to be behind us? Just the whole pandemic thing. So a year ago from today, we were just opening up and we had, again, because we had been closed for eight weeks and we had no idea what was going to happen or where we were going or what was going to, we just kind of flew by the seat of our pants and followed county guidelines. And um, we've been so lucky that we've had no outbreaks with our employees or patients. Um, we've we've done really well. I mean, it, we're kind of set up for that too because we, we have so many rooms, we can just move patients to one room at a time. Um, and everybody's been really compliant with you know, everybody's used to it now. Right. In the, be- in the beginning, you know, we just said, you know, wash your hands, hand sanitize, wear a mask, and one person in a room at a time. Yeah. I mean, it, what you do is so, like, physically invasive at times that it, it you had to be at the height of the sanitation needs list. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't allowed to get our hair cut, for God's sakes, right. you know, how can I go in there and take off my shirt and have you, you know, rub and put a needle on me and you put a salve or whatever the heck you do, and depending on which service you're doing. So that, that had to be challenging as heck. It did. We just did tattoo removal for the first couple of months because the way that it was set up was um, patients that couldn't come in during the shutdown could come in, you know, once once they started opening up a little more. I think that was more like in May. So we just did tattoo removal because those patients were already in the process and were a medical office. So we were able to take care of the those patients. And then slowly as things opened more, um, the Bay Area was the the last to open just because it was a little more restrictive and um, they did tattoo removal only for a long time also. And you are technically classified as a medical office? We are. We have a medical director. Um, And I want to get back to all that but I do want to I I want to go back to the 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 prisoners uh, for just a little bit more because you, you so you talk about how appreciative they are. Do you do you have some type of tangible factual knowledge that uh, that you're helping? Just from letters um, calls, um, uh, they send other people in who are reforming to, to, you know, that tell our story. So basically we hear it, we see it every day. Do you, do you ever, 
get to hear like years later? Oh yeah. Like look at what I've turned into? Definitely. We have a patient, um, Derek Cicito. Um, he actually had full face tattoos and he's okay with us telling his story. And he now actually works for the county as a drug and counsel, uh, drug and alcohol counselor in San Joaquin County. And we removed his um, tattoos. He was on a Discovery Channel um, interview that we had a few years ago, I think 2009. Um, but yeah, he we hear his story and stories like that all the time. I, I hear, and I don't know if there's any statistics on this, but I hear so many stories of people that get out of prison and they do exactly that. They wind up getting into a profession mm -hmm. that helps people not do what got them into prison. Yeah, because they see the results. They see they're touched by it or they're affected by it. So that's something that, you know, encourages them to help others and um, help others get to where they are. So it, yeah, it happens a lot. Now you mentioned earlier that we, that you gave me a letter. Um, we're obviously not going to mention who it's from, but it's from somebody at, at Chowchilla prison, but there's some things in there that didn't make sense to me okay. that, I mean, other than obviously a lot of gratitude here, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, written on April 25th of 2021. And it says, Dear Inkoff, and they even put the website right, DearInkoff.me. Oh, that yeah. Uh, handwritten. says, uh, I hope you're all safe and not suffering too badly due to COVID. And I also hope you can continue to come back here to Chowchilla Prison in California to continue your amazing work in removing so many tattoos and giving all of us a real shot at obtaining uh, employment upon release. Okay, that I get. That's the gratitude. And then, all right, great. Right. So far, I'm with you. And then I wrote to a senator in hopes of really letting her know how much of a difference you are making for us all and the fear of you not being able to finish what you started. What, 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 this is where I'm like, what, why would you not be able to finish what's going on well, here? Well, we didn't know if we were going to be able to go back into the institutions um, due to COVID and because they did, they did stop us. And so July of 2020 was really when they said, no more, no more visits into the prisons. Um, and so we didn't know. So the, the prisoners obviously know, okay, well, they're due to come in. Well, no, we, we can't come in. We can't come in as a contractor and, 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 or a visitor basically is what we're considered because of the, the fear of us bringing in COVID or us taking COVID out. And and so is that what he's referring to when he goes on to say that he was asking the senator to sponsor you guys and allow you to do what you do? Well, there is a contract that, you know, that we do have with the facilities and it's a minimal fee just to keep the buses, you know, the offices and the buses running. So um, you're not getting rich off of this whole I'm removing uh, tattoos from no. prisoners thing. There no. isn't some type of state contract and, you know, the, the senators are giving you these big kickbacks and you're charging like, you well, know, there's not kickbacks, but there is a contract that, you know, that says that we're able to do this and where we can do it and then um, help fund. That, and the state helps process. fund it, but then um, you've got no, your commercial side. Not of, anymore. <laughs> they're not even funding it. They're not even no, helping. No, no, no. That's, no, that, the, that's the back commercial to side. Yeah, the commercial. Yeah, the commercial side does. Right. So, um, and it, he just goes on with more praise and thank you for all you have done. And I pray that you'll be able to come back and finish. You get these letters a lot. Yeah, and phone calls and family members and emails. Um, so they go through the the website and we will even you know, go to the contact or book an appointment and they'll just send me these long, you know, emails of their loved ones that are coming out and they've heard about us or, um, you know, they found us on Google or they heard us on RAD, about us on RAD. Um, 
yeah, they just, there's several ways that they get to us and it's pretty amazing. It's, it's life-changing for a lot of people. And again, not just prisoners, you know. Well, yeah, let's go back. What, what is the mental health side of this? So there are several, some people will self-inflict harm as in like put nasty tattoos on themselves or get them for certain reasons when they're in a bad place. Um, you know, over the pandemic, we've seen people buying tattoo guns off of Amazon also and mm. tattooing themselves. I remember that early on. We <laughs> so, were talking about that. People are all stuck at home and bored. And you can't get a tattoo. That's a bad idea. And it's usually like teenagers. Oh. So it's, you know, where they can tattoo themselves because they're right-handed or left-handed. So their opposite arm, their opposite leg. Um, Can you overstate how bad that idea is? It's really, really <laughs> bad. Don't do it, please. Oh. Make sure you want your tattoo forever when you get it. And we have great artists that we can give you the names of that we work with. But... Right, that's the second part. Make sure, so so like my wife was a victim of, of both things. Okay. First of all, make sure that you want to have it forever. Okay. okay. But then the second thing is, have someone else do it and make sure they're a trained and highly <laughs> yes. qualified and referred professional. <laughs> because you are breaking the skin. It is, you know, you putting yourself at risk for um, infection or, um, yeah, scarring. <laughs> Please don't do it. Please. Yeah. Don't. And so those many of them wind up going so far down the road, they wind up in a mental health facility. Well, not just not just people that tattoo themselves, but that get tattoos in a dark time. And so that those institutions were seeing that quite a bit and came to us and said, you know, we have this large population of people that are going through mental health issues and trying to get better. And they're no longer wanting these tattoos that even they've done themselves or had done or somebody else has done to them and asked them to do, you know, so we are going to be able to start going back into their facilities here pretty soon too. So back to the commercial side, then you get the the three locations you're in Sacramento, Berkeley, mm -hmm. and Stockton. Stockton. Yeah. And um, are all three medical facilities? Yes, we have a medical director that oversees it, and we have a nurse practitioner, Barb, and we're bringing on another per, uh, nurse practitioner for the Berkeley area. So I remember when I went there the first time with Christina, and I started hearing the qualifications of Barb, and, mm -hmm. and I'm like. Wow, like these are these are former lifesaver type people. Now you keep mentioning in the beginning you were in the ER. What mm -hmm. what exactly is your qualification? Well, um, back then I was an emergency medical technician. Um, I started in dermatology as a medical assistant, and then um, went into medicine um, around 2006. I started working at a trauma hospital. Um, oh, you working. have to have seen some good stuff. <laughs> oh, you must in, have stories in the adult ICU and pediatric ICU and ER. Oh. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, ER is crazy. Ever, ever, ever have anybody come in with something weird shoved inside of them? Yes. Yes. I, everybody I know has yes. a story from, from what weirdest thing. Oh gosh. So a full beer bottle once and then a, a cell full, like it wasn't open, like they hadn't drunk it. Or you mean they got the whole bottle in there? They got, uh, it was, it was full. Like they hadn't drunk it. Like <laughs> the cap was still on. <laughs> and it was this nice gentleman who his wife wouldn't have sex with him anymore so he took it upon himself to to use a pleasure beer himself i don't know why a beer bottle people get creative wow. i don't know there's a book out there that we actually read years ago and it was written by like a it was somebody in the er and and she she had um gathered all these stories from other people that she knew in the medical industry 
and I mean, some of the things that you guys see, the one that stands out is a, a, a woman who got a potato stuck inside of her and then left it there because she was so embarrassed and it turns oh, into this yeah. horrible story of it rotting. No, most of them do get, I mean, it's usually, they usually don't come in right away. <laughs> They're just hoping you can work it out themselves. Exactly. <laughs> so it's usually EMS that brings them in. Oh. And, you know, cell phones were a common one also because you can put it on vibrate. <laughs> Boy, people are creative. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Just keep calling yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how, how long did you spend doing that type of work? Several years. And then um, I thought I would uh, get a change of pace. So um, ER and trauma were pretty traumatizing. Mm-hmm. So I took a break for quite a bit mental health break so what's what's the 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 time lapse between so you're working with chris and he's got this idea uh-huh. and you're in the yard ER and such and then you and then ink off me starts in what 2012 yeah around then yeah so, it, how, so how, how far apart were you or how long were you guys apart and then you worked your way back to each other probably about 10-ish years wow and then um i was i was working at another skin and laser center um i had a great great people that i worked with there but i was kind of at a stalemate like okay we took a small office and grew it into a large surgery center and i was like okay we've done this now and then i saw chris on his instagram actually he's like you know we're hiring and i sent him a message at like 6 30 in the morning he's like hey can you come in for an interview at 1 30 and went from there so it it, it wasn't this cinderella story of the two of you no. talked in 2002 or whatever and it was always going to be that you were going to be his right hand woman and it, it actually is nothing like that no actually um there was somebody before me named carly who did a really good job ha- grew helped grow the business and had a great staff uh, uh, that was already assembled when i got there um and you know i just came in and brought new ideas um yeah, just How know, a, fre- a fresh look at things. And Chris and I and Heather and our in- employees have just worked together so well and come so far. Um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. It's been a wild ride because, as you know, we're about to expand. Yes, I know that. Yeah. Um, how? What? Can, what can you tell us about that? What does that mean? So, in any way, maybe three new locations. Um, what? Three new locations. That's doubling in size. <laughs> you have three now. Right. Holy cow. So in possibly other states, we're, so there were three locations when I sent you the news that it was happening. But now that we've done some research, I'm not sure if we're, I, I can't say locations yet, but um, we're doing a lot of research. But we're hoping by the end of the summer, three new locations. And um, is part of the challenge that each state has different regulations it is different yeah yeah, different like do you have to have a medical director can it be a nurse practitioner can it be a physician's assistant plus we want to be um in the areas where there are prisons that we can get to also so you're looking at that demographic like okay if we're in seattle where should where would we want to be if we're in southern california where would we strategically want to be so that we can send our mobile units out to those prisons and house it with the offices that can help fund um, those mobile units that can go to those prisons. So even as you expand on the commercial side, you're still hyper-focused on the prison side? Yes. Wow. Um, are, of the three, are any of them in the in, in the listening area? Uh, the major listening area of Rad Radio? Gosh, I hope so. Okay, all right. I I'm hope just, so. Just wondering. So how, how hands-on is Chris? As Very the, hands-on. 
um, he actually comes and covers for days. So he does the mobile unit. Um, uh, he does all of the mobile units right now. Um, and then he'll come in. He works in the, a local ER also, but lives in San Diego, but comes up to help me when I need him to. Um... What? Wait a minute. I'm getting whiplash <laughs> here. He works in an ER. Yes. He owns Ink Off Me. He yes. comes up to do the, the, the bus. Mm -hmm. And he lives in San Diego. And takes care of four kids. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Pretty impressive. He is. He is. Um, I wish, and we should point out, you're, you're, you're what? You're general manager. I am. Okay. I'm the operations manager. Uh, oh, I guess. okay. Well, yes. Well, I mean, these titles yeah, are important. Well. Yes. Um, and so how, but how much do you run the day-to-day -day operations? I mean, especially with Chris doing all that. So I organ I'm basically the organizer of everything. The schedule, the employees. Um, you know, numbers of populations versus this to help, you know, see what location we're going to. So I do the logistics and the day to day stuff. And then Chris does the kind of the big picture stuff and and then comes in to help me. And he's you know, he and Heather have been really supportive. And when I need them and Heather does a lot, Heather does way, way more than any of us does, probably. And you you oversee all three, all three. So uh, who who does the hiring? That would be me. OK, How, where did you come up with this crew? You you. Have <laughs> You have some of the strangest, in a great way, people on, on your team. and they But they all seem to have this some type of weird, vibey, quirky greatness about them. Where, where did you find them? How do you find them? They just find me, I think. I don't know. I have a great group of people. Uh, Bree, Liz, um, Barb, who's hilarious. Um, Alyssa, she's been there a long time. She's been there about five years. She's amazing. Um, Bree is very creative. She's actually... A, wants to be a tattoo artist she's studying or um uh doing an internship to be a tattoo artist and she works at a tattoo removal it's hey, ironic but sometimes you become the best at something by seeing the worst right and you know actually we have a lot of artists that we work with that were um taking their tattoos off so she got um to be able to meet some that have taken her in and you know given her um some internships and some suggestions and so it's kind of cool for her but she's she is so creative and she knows how to edit and um, film and we come up with these ideas like we're on TikTok now and I don't know if you know the world of TikTok. Yes. New to it. Yes. Um, so it's just interesting because they'll have these trends. And if I laugh out loud, then I send it to Brie and I'm like, can we do this like the F on the lawn? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the original video, if you've seen it. No, describe it's, it for everybody. It's a okay. So <clears throat> this man bursts out his front door and screams, "Get the f off my lawn!" And there's a little girl with a big f running across the lawn, going, "Sorry!" And she kind of does like a gazelle like leap. And you're just, I laughed out loud. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys. But I, I, it just made me spit out spit all over the place. I just, you know. It was just hilarious. So um, that was one. So, so, so you recreate it then? Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. Because when I see your posts, because um, a lot of times you'll repost your TikTok stuff on Instagram. Yes. Um, but it seems like you guys are having so much fun. <laughs> we do. And, you know, part of that is that we have really great patience. That it, The day, it doesn't really feel like work. Unless I'm sitting at my desk and putting together the employee schedule. <laughs> um the rest of the time, our patients are grateful. It doesn't just me, not just the prisoners. You know, people are coming to get their tattoos erased because of something, because it's a shitty tattoo or, um, you know, it's a tramp stamp or they just don't like it anymore. They've outgrown it. And so they're happy to see us. There's not a lot you can do these days. Come to Ink Off Me and see us and have a good time. I, eventually, I'm going to put a karaoke machine in the in the <laughs> lobby. 
I sing Gangsta's Paradise. You know, we have music playing. I want to, you know, we just have fun. And we need to make patients feel comfortable because it hurts. And it's not comfortable. And like we've talked about, some patients come in and they're like, they're, they're having anxiety attacks before they come in. Um, yeah, I don't know if karaoke would make me any less <laughs> anxious, but I mean, some people. Oh, come on. If you saw me, you know, staying in a way and, yeah, you know, and then we go and they take you back and we give you a painful treatment. <laughs> now, and in, in Sacramento in particular, you do a lot more than just uh, tattoo removal. Yes, we do. Um, hair removal. Say so spots. now, hairiest person. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, do you like, again? There's got to be. You have to see some people that have hair, like, way too much hair in certain spots of the body. Well, you know what's funny is I get a lot of requests for full body hair removal because people just don't want to have to shave anymore. But yeah, we get. Yeah, I mean, I'm Italian and yeah, I'm pretty hairy, Native so, American. So are women more likely to ask for full body hair yes, removal? Yes. I, I, Men usually have particular areas, and that's normally yeah. um, chest, back, face, and manzillion. And then, when, what, is it permanent when you do hair removal? So people normally need around six treatments for full reduction removal. Changes in hormones or medications can sometimes have the hair grow back, and you might need touch-ups throughout the years. Um, and it may come back fully. And that's depending on age, again, hormones, um, pregnancy, birth control changes, menopause. That's when hair can start, start to come back. And there's medications that can, that, like hormones, like progesterone or um, estrogen, that um, hair can start to grow back also. When, um, back in another life, like 20 years ago, I was dating a girl whose sister was obsessive <laughs> about not having hair yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And it wasn't even just like, like, oh, shaving is a pain in the ass. It's like she didn't want to have hair anywhere on her right. body. Right. And she was very vocal about it. I'm like, well, okay, I know what you look like without your clothes on now. But uh, I, she would probably be like all up in your business oh, yeah. th these days yeah. to, to just get it all taken off. And sometimes it's not just vanity. Sometimes it's something that, you know, they've heard from others or, you know, or, you know, smells because, you know, hair when you do have hair under arm, arm hair hair in private areas it can leave an odor you know so people get um get embarrassed or you know just want to groom a little bit better so they yeah they want their hair gone and we should it's probably obvious at this point but we should point out obviously the 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 fascinating side of this never comes out and you guys are always super professional and you never make anyone feel self-conscious because I think, no I'm sure there's way. people that are like, because like you bring up the, you know, earlier the anxiety over the tattoos, there's gotta right. be people that are like, Oh my God, I am so embarrassed about this hair that I'm about to show you. Right. So we, that's why we try to do continuity of care, which is you have the same provider every time. Um, that way, you know, you get to know the person and all of our staff is so just mellow and calming and you know we have fun and we laugh but when you get back into the room we're professional and we take care of you and that's why people come back and that's why people refer us and that's why people um yeah and at this just... point there's not much you haven't seen between all of you oh we've seen everything yeah, yeah. i mean i i really doubt somebody could come yeah. in with something that between the whole group you haven't been. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe one of you hasn't seen it, but a whole bunch of you ha have seen it. Yeah. Now, what about all this other fancy stuff that has to do with acne and wrinkles and spots and lines and stuff? So um, we have the laser does the each laser that we have does several things. So we have these tattoo lasers, but they can remove brown, brown spots or we have these, this hair laser that can also do laser facials. So what's why, a laser facial? 
So laser facial is to help with fine lines, wrinkles, collagen building. Um, can you get rid of my eye bags? It can help. Really? Yeah. You like? Would you target that area? Yes, we would. But why not? If you're there, why don't we do the full face? I well, I don't know why. Why do the full face? Just cause. What? Well, but it makes it makes you look pretty. It makes handsome. me look what? It'll make you look pretty. Handsome. Aren't I More already handsome. pretty and handsome? Well, yes, of course. So, so, but it doesn't hurt. So, if you wanted to concentrate on there, yeah, we could just concentrate on there. But, um, but, but there's no reason to. In other words, as long as you're in the area, do the whole face. But what? What? Okay. First of all, do I keep my beard or do I have to shave it for this? You have to shave because it would probably um, burn the hairs. Okay. And you do, it does put you at a little risk for a little hair removal too, but it doesn't happen often. Oh, well. So you can you might look patchy. As you can see from most of my head, you know, <laughs> hair removal for me is just a standard way of life. So what what would be the benefit of getting a laser facial from you as a, as a guy? For well, for a guy, normally guys come in if they have rosacea, which is um, small veins that do um, you can see physically, and the again the laser will concentrate on the the color, the pigment, the redness of that. Um, if you put a laser over just skin that didn't have a lot of color pigment, it, it can build collagen, but it's not going to hurt that skin or burn that skin when it doesn't have anything to concentrate on. Um, it just helps with skin cells to um, expand and close pores or help with pores and um, build, like for scarring, um, it can help build, what am I trying to say? Make it smoother and not as cratery. Um, and then with fine lines, that just kind of settles those, just like with the scarring, just settles the crevice and um, fills it in. Is this a one-time thing? No, normally people need a series of them. And then people do them, like I have a woman who's um, a model. She comes in before a photo shoot, probably about a week beforehand. Kind of gives you a good glow, um, kind of resurfaces the skin. It's non-invasive, but it does give you a little glow and help with some redness. And if you have any... Um, you know, uh, scarring or any pimples like she, you know, she's she she has trouble with acne. So it can it can destroy some of that active acne, um, kills the bacteria. And then before the photo shoot, she looks nice and glowy. I can't believe I haven't been badgered by my wife to try this. <laughs> she's so into pores I'm to think and all of that she's stuff. had an LG. I don't know if she's had a face. She's beautiful. Oh, she well, yeah. Beautiful no, she skin. wouldn't. She doesn't need it. Although I'm sure she she'll she does everything she can to take care of her skin. And, yeah. and but but she's also gotten me into various things like collagen and other things just under the guise of, you know, just take care of yourself. And 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 take and taking care of your skin is something a lot of dudes, especially, don't really think about. But I've seen the results, yeah. and I can feel my my skin is softer, which is fine. I don't need to be leather face, and so <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sure that she would be way into that. So and then, um, what was that? Oh, I had to ask you this, Brandon. Uh, a while back, he told this story on the air, but you somehow over the phone diagnosed that he had been bitten by a spider. Oh, how, well, how did you do that? Well, it was one of two things when I saw it and when he told me about it, a bite or an aggravated pimple. And he had said that he'd tried to um, squeeze it and nothing came out. And so I, I had him do a few things, a little Benadryl and like hot and cold compress, and it seemed to help. So I it had to be one of two things, definitely. And then um, he told me that he had a problem with pests. So, and at that point, you had ruled everything else out. Yeah, pretty much. And you were, you were yeah. pretty sure. Derm I love dermatology. I love skin stuff. So, um, yeah. He, like, yeah, like, well, that was a whopper, too. 
Yeah, I know. He had a big bump. <laughs> it was head. a big bump. So, are you like a, a, a preener, like with, with people? Like, are you always like. like... Oh, my son hates it. I, I'm all up <laughs> on him. He's a teenager with acne, and oh. I see it. I see a black head, and I'm like, let me just try. Oh. Like, Mom, that's... get away. Yeah. Oh. He, knows, he knows when I'm looking really close. Like, well, you got all sorts of layers there, right? I mean, he's a teenager, you're mom, but you're also in dermatology. <laughs> and if he made every teenager has some type of acne challenge, it's got to be like, ah! Yeah. yeah, he's actually doing pretty well now because he doesn't want mom popping his pimples. So. Why Why can't he just come in and do, like, treatments? Oh, he can. He he could. He's, he's not afraid. So I think he's seen the videos of tattoo removal, and he's been in the office but hasn't seen the physical like hasn't been in the room with it so he thinks that lasers are always going to hurt even though i'm trying to convince him he hears the stories and you know he's he he doesn't have social media but i tell him the stories of things you know and 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 of my day talk to him about my day and he knows that it hurts so he's he he's convinced that i'm lying to him because he has a dog bite scar too that i really want him to i want him to laser because it does help with scarring because it's the redness that the 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 Laser um, but, tries but to go after, dig but scars. I know that's what... <laughs> my friend's like he's he's got street cred now. <laughs> mm-hmm. How how did but quick parenting tip? How did you raise a teenage son that doesn't have social media? So I see social media as uh, interesting, the bane of our existence, basically the end of society as we know yes. it. Yes, like uh, so, I didn't a have a toxic cesspool. I didn't have social media until my son was born because my family's far, far away, and so that was a good way to connect with them, and um, and that's basically how they were trying to connect with me is you know communicate with me was through social media. So I see it as you know it's a good way to communicate and keep in touch with people and to you know show pictures of you know the growth of my son and everything like that, but. Really, you know, and then you get the sad stories of the dogs being oh. abused or, or, you know, you know, oh, just the, the negative side of social media. So early on when he was when he was young, I noticed that it affected me and that I started even being on social media way too much and letting that affect me. Like, oh, look at this person has a perfect life and look at me here going through a divorce or what, you know, it just it affects you just looking at at things that you don't really need to see so no he doesn't have social media um he does he is a gamer and is on and likes youtube he has his own youtube channel but not really he doesn't have instagram or facebook and he doesn't he doesn't seem to be pining for it no no in fact they talk about it he's actually um they're debating in class it's funny that you bring it up right now he's the con of the social media side so we had to go over that like what's the what's the pros and what's the cons of social media so it's funny that you bring it up because he just did a presentation this week about social media i convinced myself that that i had to be on twitter for professional reasons <laughs> and and especially and i did it before covid and then especially when covid hit i was right. I, you know it was like you know get the the messages from the governor and, and and i finally i don't remember when i want to say it was last fall maybe it was a little later than that i finally just canceled it right and it was noticeable in every part of my life my mood my state just not even having access to see it um it, it took me a week or so to realize it how toxic because of all of them twitter seems to be the most toxic at and least I, for me i've stayed away from twitter it's awful and, and and if you if you find something maybe facebook is more toxic but i've never i never did the facebook thing it's just it is amazing what people will say 
and the 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 vicious attack and these aren't even things like directed at me right right it's just like you follow somebody and then you you make the mistake of scrolling through the comments and right. it's like these people live amongst us it's it is it not all social media is bad you perfectly perfectly illustrated you have a lot of fun with it we have fun with it mm -hmm. it's a great way to stay in contact with people there are positives to it but man the negatives are so negative and that's part of growing the business or being a part of business like you know like rad is also you you connect with your audience or your customers or your patients um and you get more and that's how you kind of advertise a little bit too and show what you do and then you do your branding too so a lot of the funny videos that we do you know there's an ink off me sign in the background or i'm wearing an ink off me shirt right in the video and that's part of the branding and then people you know they see the funniness of it oh but what's ink off me you know what are these crazy girls? We got to go meet these crazy girls. I'm sure the word crazy is used when they see most oh, yeah. of your, your posts. Yeah, yeah. What what are what are these free clinics that you do? So in the San Joaquin County, we work with um, some organizations that help families, um, prisoners, um, impoverished the impoverished population um, who are trying to get back into society after being you know either in prison or you know drugs and alcohol. Um, um, so every six to eight weeks, we go out to one organization that puts on an event um, and they do like job, the job training there and job events, you know, um, and then we do the tattoo removal for them. And so and are you back to doing those? Yeah, actually, we've been doing those since last summer. I think August was our first one. Um, again, it's so easy to be, you know, COVID compliant because there's only one person and we sanitize in between. Um, and then they, you know, they're six feet apart when they're waiting in line and doing consents. So that was actually one of the first, besides the office opening for tattoo removal, um, the nonprofits, and then the prisons. So, and now we'll start going to more prisons. How so. do people find out about the free clinics and, and whether or not you're going to be in their area or what they have to do to get to one? Or Follow me on Instagram or Facebook, unfortunately, but that's where I do put out the, the community information for each of the clinics. Or you can call the office at 916-600-4428 and we can give you that information. And it's on our website also. By the way, the whole, the whole name, the ink off me <laughs> thing, I mean, it makes so much sense, but then to also get the website inkoff.me, mm -hmm. I mean, that just was that, which, which came first, the name or, or was it all at once? So the, the name and all at once, Chris has told me, you know, it was just something and fastest way. So it was him and his buddy with a, uh, a glass of scotch, I believe is what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> a glass or a bottle could have been a bottle i don't know <laughs> years ago and they just they came up with the ink off me and then fastest way back to your future within that whole conversation and the website all together you know they were they came up with it it's pretty funny what you can come up with when you have a few drinks wow yeah. well i mean you do amazing stuff and i know you know that and and you <laughs> see it and people that whether it's helping the prisoners get their lives back or just helping people like my wife get rid of their youthful bad mistakes or, <laughs> or or maybe even freshening up my face i guess um and you beam when you talk about what you do you really love this don't you i do i do i love my patients they love me i just you know they all have stories and i think that and i might cry here a little bit um it's a different side of medicine than you know working in er or working bedside um you get to connect with people and you see them every six to eight weeks and we become part of their lives and and through covid they have been able to come and see us and stay connected with us and so they're grateful they're wonderful you know i've not had one bad person or patient come in those doors because they're coming in to either reform or change their lives or 
just get rid of a stupid mistake or get rid of hair or some age spots that have been bothering them or veins that have been bothering them. They're not coming in because there's a bad situation happen like they're sick. So it's a different side of medicine. You get to talk to them and, and connect with them. And we, we really do, and as you've seen and heard, um, connect with, with our patients. Well, and this, this whole relationship is the weirdest thing because I came to know you through Matt at Tahoe Blue Vodka, which it seems like such a strange relationship that, it, that he is the one that connected us in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. How did that even happen? Did he just know that you were? Did you guys work together? How, I mean, how? Because he came to me and says, "Hey, you want to give away some?" I'm like, "What the hell? Oh yeah, our our audience would love that." And then pretty soon, everybody on the show is a patient of yours, including my wife. I said, "I want to work with you." And um, for he's like, "Well, I'm in this industry, and you're in this industry. We don't really gel together." Yeah. Um, and then we had gift cards, and I was like, well, could we do an event with you, and I could give out gift cards? And he's like, no, but I do advertise on Rad, and maybe you can give them gift cards for their for their, their games. And I was like, sure, why not? And that's how it started. That's and, how it started. And, and, when, and, when, and like I said, when Matt made me the offer, I'm like, well, I know our audience would absolutely love that. And then it's just been, you've had great uh, maggot success. Yes. The stories from the maggots are, are great. They, everybody loves you. And this whole relationship has just blossomed. And the only yes. other part where you were beamed even more today is when you're talking about expanding, which is so great. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to help more people. That's the goal is to help as many people as we can. You're, I, I, it's a stupid <laughs> overused thing, but you're very inspiring. And oh, I, I love working you. with you. You're a great partner. I love partner. working with you. And everybody on the show has just been amazing and so supportive. And Rob, you have just made a difference, especially over COVID. Um mm-hmm. I did not know if we were going to stay alive. And you were the first one that reached out and said, when you're back in and when you open, we're going to come out roaring and, and get you guys out there. And and I appreciate that. And you helped save us and keep us going through very hard times. And we had no idea what was going to happen. Such unknowns. And I thank you so much. And Chris and Heather and I just... You know, you help us help people. Well, thank you. And I mean, we've as you've as you've found, we just have this amazing connection with these small businesses that we yeah. work with. They're all listeners. They're all great people. Right. And you just want to support and help them because you guys support and help us as well. So that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for thank doing this you. with me. Sorry for crying. You finally did shed a tear I at the did. end there. One did come uh, out. I tried a, hard not to. I'm going to get a terrible reputation. People aren't going to want to come on this thing. Oh, Rob's just going to find a well, way to make me cry. Who's who's the, the host that always, that was their goal to make somebody cry? Well, Barbara Walters and, oh, yeah. and Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes a little bit sometimes. Really, Barbara Walters was like <laughs> totally. Always. She would really get to people. Yeah, I think she got off on it sexually, but that's for another episode. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Thank you, Rob, for having me. I appreciate it. Did you enjoy this episode of the Rad Podcast? Send an email to rad at radradio.com. A new episode of the Podcast premieres anytime Rob feels like doing one. <laughs>